0: Are you ready to take your financial advisory firm to the next level? Get a realistic approach to making your business successful, innovative, and client-centered with insights from a creative marketer and results-oriented business consultant. Welcome to the Insights for Financial Advisors podcast with your host, Crystal Lee Butler.
1: Welcome to Insights for Financial Advisors. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Butler, owner of Crystal Marketing Solutions. And with me is this season's co-host, Dr. Jack Singer professional psychologist, speaker, and the author of The Financial Advisor's Ultimate Stress Mastery Guide. Let's welcome Dr. Jack Singer.
0: Well, it's always a pleasure to be uh, with your audience, Crystal, because you are providing a wonderful service for them where they actually will learn actionable skills that they can put to use. And all of these things we're talking about are things that financial professionals have dealt with for many, many years. Um, I'm not sure if in the first version you gave much of my background, but my background is I'm a professional sports psychologist and a clinical psychologist, so all of my work has been in helping people to understand the emotional um, barriers that get in the way of them being successful and happy, and now, since 2008, i focused all of this on financial professionals, so that's why we're doing the series, so they can learn all of these scientifically-based techniques that they can put to use immediately.
1: Great, and I'm so happy to have you here again, and um, I'm so excited. This time, we're actually talking about key insights on stress and ways to um, reduce it, and this is probably one of my favorite topics. Um, um, Dr. Jack, of course, you're the expert on this, but I can't wait to listen more of all your insights um, Stress is just such a prominent thing in everybody's life, it seems nowadays, and I'm constantly working on managing stress and reducing it and trying to live um, a balanced life, if you can ever really achieve balance. Um, So take it away, Jack.
0: All right. So the first chapter of my book is called How Stress Can Kick the Health Out of You, health, (laughs) H-E-A-L-T-H. There's a tremendous amount of research now that shows that there's a strong relationship Between the amount of stress a person has and how it impacts their body. Uh, In fact, a book that I'm very fond of reading, the author says a critical shift in medicine has been the recognition that many of the damaging diseases of slow accumulation can either be caused by or made far worse by stress. So we're talking about things like cancer, we're talking about arthritis, we're talking about chronic illnesses, we're talking about Uh, uh, illnesses where the the body doesn't repair itself quickly. You name the system and we have evidence that stress can either cause this or make it worse. And this is one of the main reasons that I took a fascination in the field of clinical psychology and mind-body psychology because I believe that this is one area that in the future will show we can rapidly cure diseases or avoid diseases much quicker than strictly using medicine can. In fact, this may surprise you to know, but the American Medical Association, in a survey that was done several years ago, admitted, after they surveyed their family practice doctors and their um, primary care doctors, the two gatekeepers that lead to other specialties, they found that these physicians said that up to three-fourths of all of their patients did not have an illness. They had symptoms, but it wasn't a medical illness. And it was all caused by stress or made worse by stress. So wow. that's one of the reasons that people tend to go to, from doctor to doctor because no one is solving the problem. They're just treating the symptom. Right. The problem was the stress in the beginning. Now, another thing I would say to you that's going to sound dramatic to your listeners, and it's absolutely proven, is that there is no such thing as a stressful event. Huh. Events do not cause stress, Crystal, Uh, So, if you take the life of a financial advisor, the market crashing does not cause stress. A toxic client being on the phone does not cause stress. Having uh, your teenager get in trouble does not cause stress. Uh, Having an argument with your spouse does not cause stress. Now, this may surprise you to hear this. Okay. When I tell you why, you'll understand. Because stress is not caused by events that take place in our life. It's not simply A is an event and C is the consequence, stress. There's a B. The B is what you say to yourself about the event inside your head. That's what determines whether you'll be stressed or not.
1: Gotcha. Okay. okay.
0: So I can give a very good example. You wanted to record this podcast at a certain time and I agreed. Something got in the way with my health where I hurt my ribs and I knew that I wouldn't be able to make it because I had a doctor's appointment that does not cause stress. What I say to myself determines whether it will be stressful or not. So if I said to myself, Crystal's gone through all this trouble to set all of this up so that we can record this at this time, she's going to be irritated with me, that kind of a thought would cause stress. But if I said to myself, Crystal is a very accommodating and flexible young lady, I've learned that in the past, she will have no problem if we delay the podcast for 30 minutes. That would not cause stress, but yet the situation didn't change. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Situations don't cause stress. It's how you interpret them that causes the stress or, de- or decides that it won't cause stress. So let's talk about stressors, which is kind of a term that I use, which suggests the situation that could cause stress, if you're thinking about it, isn't healthy. Feeling emotionally um, overworked, like burning the candle at both ends. Many advisors complain to me that even though they make plenty of money and money is not a concern, the price they pay is the numbers of hours that they put into it and they're, they're burning out. Right. Getting out of bed exhausted each morning and feeling like you're going off to a battle at work because you have to deal with the client, you have to deal with the market, you have to deal with decisions and people are asking you to solve problems for them. Demanding perfection of yourself. A lot of financial advisors are perfectionists. And when you're a perfectionist, the downside of that is anything short of perfection feels like a failure. So yep. these, these are some of the stressors, the work and life kinds of stressors that financial advisors face frequently. If you understand that the mind and the body are intricately connected, then you'll know that when you get headaches, when you get back pain, when you have allergies uh, flaring up, uh, when you get stomach cramps, when you get GI problems, these might not have anything to do with an illness. They might have to do with what's been going on in your life and how you've been interpreting it. So when I was having a clinical practice and someone would come in and they would tell me that they're depressed or they're anxious or they're worried, it's not the situation I always want to know what did they say to themselves about the situation. So, for example, if someone came in to see me and said she just lost her job and she'd been there for 30 years and she's panicked, I would say to her, you're not panicked because you lost your job. You're panicked because you're telling yourself that you won't find another one and you're in big trouble, right?
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: it. Well, why would you give yourself that message when it's not accurate? The real message might be something like, what a relief. I never would have left that lousy job, but now I'm forced to look for something that may suit me better.
1: Exactly. So
0: you see, the way people think will always determine whether their body will be affected and whether their mind and their moods will be affected. Now, we can talk about life stressors. And the easiest way to think about life stressors are changes that take place in your life. So getting a new job is a major change. Getting married is a change. Getting divorced is a change having a chronic illness is a change. What do we know about change? We know that all of these things cause changes. And in my book, I have a table that shows you the number of points that each change is worth. And the research shows that when you get over a certain number of these points within a year, then you're very likely to have some illness that's related to the stress caused by these changes and the fact that you haven't thought about them correctly. So Let's take someone who's getting divorced, for example. Sadly, a common thing we have in this country where 55% of everyone gets divorced. If you do that, and then you're thinking of changing a job or moving to a new city all within the same same short period of time, that's a mistake because that puts too many stress-related points on your table at one time. You need to spread out changes. So if someone's getting divorced, Try to secure everything else you're doing, keeping your family stable, keeping your job stable, not making any major changes for at least six to eight months. That's important. The same thing as even taking a vacation is worth 12 stress points because of all of the packing and the unpacking and the planning. That is stressful. It's a chain. Yeah. So the key, and you can certainly read more about this in my book, The Financial Advisor's Ultimate Stress Mastery Guide, is learning what Changes cause the most potential difficulty, both physically and emotionally, and how to put off those changes. Do you have any questions about anything I've said so far, Crystal?
1: No, I just, I'm um, reflecting on myself with some of these comments. I constantly get it stuck in my own head, right. um, going through various scenarios or um, re- overthinking different things. Um, that's when it comes right. to work, when I make a mistake, I, I like to think I'm a perfectionist, but then I make mistakes at the same time, but I guess that's a perfectionist in me saying, getting so upset that I make these mistakes. Right. Um,
0: that, that's a very good example, Crystal. <sighs> in fact, at another of our podcasts, we'll talk about two personality types that are stress prone, and one of them is the perfectionist. And the problem is that there's no such thing as perfection. So mistakes will always be made. And you set yourself up with the expectation that I have to be perfect or I feel awful. Then you've set yourself up for a lot of stress that way.
1: I can get kudos all day for good things. And then I find there was one typo on something. And then all of those kudos don't matter anymore because I get upset about the one typo that I missed.
0: Right. So you're someone who is really very sensitive to critique. And most of that critique is coming inside your own head.
1: Exactly, I'm my worst, own, my own worst enemy. <laughs> yeah,
0: many, many um, advisors suffer the same way because yeah. they did have the perfectionistic kind of personality traits, which help them grind through college, graduate school, in many cases, and all of the series tests that they've taken, and all of that. And so they think, well, that's an asset, but it really isn't. It may be an asset because it keeps you focused on your goals and on your work. But the downside of it is the stress that comes with it when you make a mistake, when you forget to do something. So you really have to give yourself a break and say, I don't have to be perfect to be wonderful. That's really the key. Yes. So when I'm working with elite athletes, you know, I've worked with Olympic gold medal winners. Some of them feel if they don't win a gold medal at the Olympics, they're a failure. Can you imagine? Oh, gosh. They could lose by a hundredth of a second to to the next person and they feel like they failed. So I really have to work on them because that's a completely irrational idea. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these ideas in terms of our self-talk are irrational. So if I was going to talk to your audience about warp speed techniques to quickly reduce your stress, one of the first things we want to talk about is how do we stop this negative thinking, this little voice inside our head that I once referred to in a book I wrote as your internal critic Because we know that these voices in our head, almost 90% of them are negative, self-defeating, critical kinds of things. I shouldn't have done that. Why did I do this? What if this happens? You know, this person's not going to like me now. Mm -hmm. This is that internal critic at work, and that's the biggest cause of stress and all of the physical things that happen from it and emotional things. Because when you do have an event that could be stressful – the tendency is to think about it in a negative way. Oh, the market crashed? Well, that means client X will be on the phone tomorrow demanding uh, that I do something, and why why didn't I have clairvoyance so that I could have understood where he was coming from? So all of these kinds of things happen to people because they're in their head and they're not getting out of what they need to be getting out of their head from. So one of the fastest ways to do this is to wear a rubber band around your wrist. And when you have the rubber band around your wrist, as soon as you recognize that you're thinking in a negative, self-defeating way, you snap the rubber band. That will get your attention, especially if you snap it hard. Mm-hmm. And your brain will not want to keep going down that road if you conscientiously snap that rubber band every time you're getting a negative, self-defeating thought. Like, what if this happens, or I feel so guilty, or... I shouldn't have done that, or this person's going to be mad at me. Any thoughts like that, the first step is to snap the rubber band. The next step is to use a calming breathing technique that I advise for everybody, and that is to breathe in through your nose to the count of four, hold it for four seconds. So you're breathing in for four, and then you're holding it for four seconds. Then a big exhale out your mouth to the count of seven, That is the most relaxing kind of breathing you can do. And if you're doing it correctly, you'll notice that when you breathe in, your stomach is expanding, and when you breathe out, your stomach is contracting. So breathing in and breathing out in a slow, calming way is a very effective way to do that. And then the third step, now that you've snapped the rubber band and calmed yourself down, (laughs) the third step is to ask rational questions. Is the thing that I was worried about actually going to happen? What's the probability of that happening? Is this person really going to be mad at me or are they just going to be frustrated because their portfolio wasn't where they wanted it to be? Right. Does the person really expect me to be a magician and be able to predict when the market's going to go down? Highly unlikely. Right. So those are the three main forces that I like to teach people in terms of a warp speed technique That can quickly reduce their stress
1: good I I mean those are very insightful Um, I think about the deep breathing on my um, personally um, I feel like it's kind of woo woo about meditation but um, meditation for me when I do get overly stressed the deep breathing in and out just for four to five minutes helps calm me down so much um, when I do feel it, like I'm getting overwhelmed or get too much inside my head. So um, I like the idea of the rubber band. I've heard it before, but I haven't ever actually done it. But um, I can see my daughter wanting to pull on that rubber band, though, if I had it <laughs> and torturing me. And what
0: you want to do is you want to wear not these tight little skinny rubber bands that that cut off your circulation, but... The rubber bands that come in the mail are these thick ones that sit loosely. Those are the kinds of rubber bands to wear. Okay. And You can do this at your desk, and no one will see you doing it if you're in an office. You can do it in your car. It's a very powerful technique that even my most elite athletes have used when their mind starts getting negative before they get into their event, for example. So, yes, once you learn how to get these thoughts out of your head and combine that with the breathing, mm-hmm. then that works very well. And, you know, there's this whole new wave now of mindfulness. And mindfulness, you know, to really boil it down to its lowest common denominator, is just focusing on the here and now and not worrying about what happened before or what you're worried could happen in the future. So if you're sitting at your desk, you can close your eyes and just focus on the breathing and focus on the changes in the temperature at your nostrils as you're breathing in and out. What is your heart rate doing? This is mindfulness and focusing on the present and blocking all other things out that really aren't important to be thinking about now because they set off those stress-related thoughts.
1: Right, and make you a lot more unproductive.
0: Right, exactly. Now, there are some other things that we can do and I'm sure in future sessions we'll talk about many, but you need to make time to get out of your office. So let me give you a case example of an advisor I was mentoring who said, you know, he was making a lot of money, and that was wonderful. Uh, The anxiety he felt coming into the office on Monday morning was overwhelming. He sometimes had difficulty falling asleep on Sunday night. And I asked him, do you ever take off during the week? He said, no, I can't afford to do that. And I said, what do you mean you can't afford to do that? He said, well, the office would probably fall apart if I wasn't there. I said, really? So we set out to examine how the office would function if he wasn't there. And he was really shocked to realize that in some ways it might function better because he spent all his time hanging over everyone's shoulders to see what they were doing because he was a control freak and had to control everything. Gotcha. But by the time we were done with four or five sessions, he was willing to take half of a Friday off and go golfing. And he would come back on uh, the second half of Friday and be amazed at good things that happened in the office without him having to be there to marshal everybody and what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And eventually he got to the point where he took all of Friday off. His anxiety level reduced dramatically. Uh, he started liking coming to work. He realized that there are options, not just what I've done, done all the time, I have to keep doing or I'll fail. That's part of that perfectionistic tendency. Right. So Getting time away from the office and not looking at your cell phone is a wonderful stress reducer that people should all encompass.
1: Yes, I can um, attest that I do um, make time to get out of the office, but the cell phone is one of my weaknesses. I always am checking my inbox, and that's something that I have um, set as a goal for next quarter to focus on not um, really enjoying the time with my family when I am off and not constantly checking my inbox.
0: Yeah, and people check their inbox on their phone too. So yes. what yeah. it really is, it's it's a psychological factor that's similar to slot machines in Las Vegas. Yep. Uh, we're looking for rewards. Right. Nice things people say, uh, opportunities that come our way. And we're on what we call an intermittent schedule, which means you never know when that reward is coming. So you'll keep looking at hundreds of things for that one goodie in there. And that's exactly the psychology of the slot machine People don't know when they're going to win, so they keep playing it over and over and over. And if they win every so often, they keep doing it. Well, that's what we're doing with our inboxes. And we have to give ourselves permission that nothing awful will happen if we put our phones away or our computers away for a day, for example. We're not going to miss out on an opportunity. But it takes some people have a very difficult time with that, and it causes difficulties in their family life and their relationships.
1: I think that's a struggle for many out there. Um, Well, do you have, I think that's about all we have, unless you have anything else to add.
0: No, I think that we've given them a lot to think about. And uh, these things, these habits are not easy to break, but they are breakable. Uh, Someone wrote a book once on how you can change any habit in 21 days if you're conscientious. So figure if you do this conscientiously, in three weeks, you can develop new habits that you can use for the rest of your life. And I would just uh, tell everybody who's interested that I now have a course that covers all of this online, and they can get continuing education credit as financial professionals. So if they go to www.developthemindsetofachampion.com, they can learn all about it. And if they want to contact me, Crystal, they can call me. I will give all of your listeners 20 minutes of free consultation, free private consultation on any question they have. They can reach me at 949-481-5660, just leave your name and number slowly with my voicemail if I'm not there, and I'll definitely call you back. Or they can email me at drjack at
1: Great. And I'll have all that information on the show notes at insightsforfinancialadvisors.com. Um, so you can find everything there as well. Um, Thank you, Dr. Jack, for joining us again. And I'll look forward to chatting with you again in a few weeks um, for the next podcast.
0: Sounds great, Crystal. Thank you. You have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to the Insights for Financial Advisors podcast. If you liked this episode, please rate the podcast on your favorite podcast app. For more insights, tips, and resources, visit insightsforfinancialadvisors.com today.